you know, there's a real method to the madness. Some people think, you know, coaches that kind of give their guys some creative freedom aren't really coaching. And I, and I totally disagree. I mean, you have to, you have to be confident in what you do in practice, you know, and your, in your strategies that you have and your plan. And then you, you got guys that can play. You got to let them play. Welcome to the Jamoti podcast. We are all surrounded by amazing coaches and leaders. So let's get an inside look at not just what they do, but how they do what they do. After all, becoming the best versions of ourselves is Jamoti, just a matter of doing it. Today, we're joined by the head boys basketball coach at John Paul II High School, Dan Lee. In 24 years as head coach, Coach Lee has a career record of 541 wins and 198 losses. He's led the Cardinals to two TAP 6A state championships in 2020 and 2022. In 2020, they set a school record for wins with a 40-1 record. Coach Lee was named District Coach of the Year in 2020 and 2021, as well as TABC Private School Coach of the Year in 2020 and 2022. Before we hear from Coach, take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media at Jamoni Podcast. All right, here we go. You got me now. Hey, what's up, Coach? Hey, not much. How you doing, Matt? Oh, I'm good, man. Thank you so much for taking the time to to do this with me. Absolutely. I've actually listened to a few of your pods before starting this summer, and, and I'm a fan, and I was I was wondering if I was going to get an invite. I'm happy oh. to be here. Coach, you're big time. You know you're, you're, you're going to get an invite here for sure. All right. I appreciate you having me. I really do. No, but I love what you said uh, in your email about uh, about how there is a lot of talk about culture. And a lot of people, you know, throw it around in some ways. And obviously we all have a culture that we're fighting for. But I think the the questions that you picked, especially coming off of the year that you've had and with all the, is it 26 years of experience or is it is it more? I'm starting my 29th this year. 29th year. So 29 years of experience. Can't wait to dive into these questions. And again, on a Sunday night, thank you so much for your time. What's the best thing that you borrowed lately? All right, this and and uh, I'm sure you're the same way. You get inundated with emails from different coaching sites and, and different newsletters and whatnot. But I look at these and 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 got onto one that uh, Cody Topper from Memphis was talking about, and it was a five out, you know, video and and then talking about transition. And one thing he, uh, one point he had that I thought was really good was talking about your big man, your rim runner. So his his point was, you know, we all say we want to run rim run. And how many times do you actually get convert a rim run into a layup or a dunk or whatever? And he said, more often than that, you just run down there with the defender and clog the lane. So his uh, coaching point on that was with with those guys at Memphis is they teach them that yes, if you're ahead, continue to rim run. Hopefully you can convert. If your man's ahead of you, pull up at the three point line and come set a drag screen. Um, for the guy bringing up the ball, especially if your man's sitting in the lane, because defensive coaches who sprint back to the paint, right? And if that man's sitting in the lane and you come set a drag screen, you're basically in a two-on-one situation with a real good ball handler and, and playmaker. Um, so we've started playing with that a little bit, and I've been getting my bigs to do that, and we've had some real good success early on in the season so far with that. And I, it makes all the sense in the world to me. I don't know why I haven't really – <laughs> grasp that concept before but i we've kind of latched onto it and had some really good success with it the, those moments are special when you've been doing something for so long and and, and you're right you said something at the beginning we all get 
those emails. We all hear of new things. And, 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 and a guy, one, one guy I was talking to made a comment. He's like, you just, you can't do it all. You can't try it all. You can't listen to it all. And so you, you choose and you be very selective um, of those things. But that, that point that Cody made, I, I think right on the money, like we, we've been having rim runners for so long for the sake of having a rim runner, maybe because it's how we were coached or we heard some really smart people uh, do it. But I, I don't know. I, I've asked that same question. How many times do I actually get a, you know, from passing it up the floor, a finish right off of that rim run? Well, who, you know, and who's usually a rim runner? It's, it's a big man who's rebounding around the basket on the defensive end. He's got to run 94 feet. Um, it, it doesn't happen as often as, as we would hope or we would like. And we, and we want that ball. Most offenses, the goal is to get the ball to the paint, to that area where you're going to force defenses to have to choose and, and, and you can find things out of it. So when you have that rim runner, you're right. Not just the defender being there, another body being there that congests it and then good guards that want to be playmakers can't. But you, you have that guy slow down to set that ball screen and all of a sudden now it, guarding ball screens is hard enough. Trying to guard in transition, that's it just is. a whole other animal too. And then if he's skilled enough and, and, and our big guys can do it to some degree, they can do a ghost screen and, and hit a three. Um, you know, they can do a twist screen and, and mix it up what they do up at the top. And, and so it just it, it puts pressure on the defense. It really does. Just because of all your uh, experience and success, what are some other things that maybe you had always done and then just for some reason figured it out or, or read or heard something and made a shift that you thought, like you said before, man, I don't know why we didn't do this a long time ago. Matt, I, I have totally changed my philosophy in the last three years. I, you know, I went to, uh, I had taken one year off. I had gone, I was at Cistercian for 20 years in Irving, went down to Houston Christian for five and then took a year off, came back up here to the Metroplex, which is what I consider home. Um, was very blessed to inherit a talented team at John Paul my first year. And I went to a coaching clinic before the season and heard uh, David Peeler from Highland Park speak. And David's awesome. And I stole a lot from David. And he really, he recommended a book called Sprawl Ball and uh -huh. really, really got me thinking about the, the analytics of the game, the efficiency of the game, and just started working with my guys on that. Um, and kind of just change the way that I coach and, and change the way we approach the three-point shot and change the way we space the floor. Um, I've been, for the longest time, I was a traditional three-out, uh, two-in, three-out guy. You know, we for a long time, I ran to Kansas, Bill Self, Hilo, and had some success. But, um, you know, the game's changed a lot in the last, yeah. five, even the last five years from the top down. And um, so, you know, I got a lot out of that. And then I had a team that was very talented that could execute um, that style of play. And, you know, two years ago, we led the state in scoring. We went 40 and one and won the state championship. And, and it was, it, it was great. And I, I was sold. Um, but, you know, the old saying of can't teach an old dog new tricks, it did not apply. I'm 52 years old and I've totally changed the way I coached in the last three yes. years. And I think it's really smart uh, the way that you have adapted and changed your game to the talent that with the talent that you have playing in space and giving them options and room to be creative. Like, man, that, that makes a lot of sense. You know, there's a real method to the madness. Some people think, 
you know, coaches that kind of give their guys some creative freedom aren't really coaching. And I, and I totally disagree. I mean, you have to, you have to be confident in what you do in practice, you know, and your, in your strategies that you have and your plan. And then you, you got guys that can play. You got to let them play. Yeah. And, uh, and you got to be able to deal with that sometimes. I have a point guard right now that can throw an 80 foot pass with his left hand and he'll fire it down the court and he'll fit it in a window six inches and it results in a layup. He made one turnover in a game Saturday night and he said, coach, my bad, my bad. I said, no, you're nine out of 10 on that for 18 <laughs> points. Let's go ahead and keep doing that. Yeah. You know, we're going to, you got to allow them to make some mistakes and grow and, and it's going to pay off in the long run because they're going to be able to act independently on their own on the court and do what they do. And if they're talented players, they're going to succeed. Yeah. I think you have a really special culture there when you've got guys that are making mistakes, acknowledging them, but then they know that, that you're going to reinforce that confidence. Like you're going to help protect their confidence in a way, because so many times we, as coaches, it's that people think it's our job to give players confidence and yes and no. I mean, confidence comes from where their work ethic and how much time they put in. But then when you come in is, Hey, I know you can make that pass, fire it again. Yes. That that's huge. Better not pass it up when you get the next opportunity. That's right. I love that. Uh, you you mentioned Peeler's name. So I, when I was at McKinney as a varsity assistant, we had the me and Wes Watson had the pleasure of getting to play against Highland Park's teams. And oh, golly, he's so great. I I did. I reached out to him to come on, and uh, and he is one of the most humble guys I've ever met. And and said, Matt, I just don't know if I've got anything or that if anybody would care. Well, you, I mean, you're living like. He helped you yeah. to uh, to change your style of play, even after all your years. So, David Peeler, if you if you do happen to listen, we we'd love to have you on. <laughs> I've told him, we've played him the last two years, and I've told him, hey, we credit to you for a lot of the stuff we do. He um, he he gave a bunch of dr drills for three point shots at that clinic that I've stolen and used, and our kids love them. And um, you know, we we keep records and we compare and uh, from year to year to year and and. It's just I, I got a lot from him, and and uh, he is one of the most humble coaches you'll ever run across. But he's he's brilliant, uh, and we're gonna get him on. I think because yeah. of you right there, I'll, uh, I'll, we'll, I'll we'll get do my part to push him that direction. <laughs> what opportunities for learning and growth have you recently found? What are some things that you're kind of into? Very unique this year. So two years ago, I had a really good team, but not any four stars, five stars, guys that were drawing a lot of college attention. I mean, we might have had one or two mid-majors that came to watch a practice. Last year, we had none because of COVID. And I had the I had the dudes last year that would have attracted a lot of attention. This year, it's opened back up. We count, I counted 43 different schools that have rolled through to watch practice, 25 of them being Power 5, Division One. And um, I took that opportunity to visit with those guys. I asked them questions. I asked them for feedback. You know, they would sit there and just kind of watch practice, and they like to see how the kids interact, how they take coaching, you know, a lot more than just can they make a jump shot. Yeah. It's what they do, how they carry themselves and conduct themselves. Um, but I would ask them very specific things about our offense, defense, pick and roll, cover. what do you do here, what do you do there? And I just picked their brains. And so that was a real – plus this year that, that I haven't been able to do the last two years. And I've also started trying to go to practices. Um, I don't know about you, but every year I say, I'm going to go to some college practice every year. 
Well, this year, my girlfriend lives in Houston. I was going to see her and I said, you know what? I'm going to call up Samson. I called up his son, um, Coach Samson, and, yeah. and hey, I'm going to be in town on Friday. He said, Coach, it's our first day of practice. Come on out. So I went down early, went and watched U of H practice. And boy, that was that was fun. Um, those guys get after it. There's no accident that they were one of the top defensive and rebounding teams in the country last year yeah. and made the final four. Um, and then a week or two after that, A&M did a, did a coach's clinic, Coach Buzz. And one of my players from last year is at A&M. So I, I'm like, I'm going down there. I jumped in the car, drove down and went to the clinic, got to visit with Manny, got to watch a practice. And really, you know, I've always said, if you can pick up one thing, yeah. When, you watch, when you go to listen to a speaker or go watch practice, one thing, it's been a major success. And I, and I definitely picked up more than one thing at both of those events. So, you know, picking the brains of college coaches, I think, is is really valuable because they're they're outstanding at their crafts and we can all learn a lot from them. And that's a really cool reminder. I mean, we at, at Faith haven't had the same amount of attention uh, coaches coming in, but uh, when – what a great reminder, though, to ask for feedback. I think so many times if when I've had those opportunities, I've really just talked about the kid, the player. What would you see? You know, what questions do you have? Well, how can I help in any way? But I love that idea of, hey, you know, coach, while I have you, what do you, you know, what what can we be doing better? Because you're right. I mean, that we, we have to continue to learn and have a growth mindset. And when you have those guys in your gym, you know, and, and have their attention, take advantage use it. There's yeah. a fresh set of eyes. Sometimes they see, notice something that we don't, you know, when you see it every day, sometimes somebody else's perspective is, can be very helpful and very valuable. What's the favorite practice that you've uh, uh, attended all time, favorite coach that you've watched their team practice and man. <clears throat> it, it might be Samson. Yeah. Um, you know, it was their first day. So it was a lot of rolling out the ball, loose ball drills, rebound, you know, one kid, ran into a ladder and a rebound because they had no out of bounds. And, you know, and this is just the energy that they had was, was infectious. I mean, they, they would run over, they were doing a charge drill and a guy would get hammered and eight guys would run over and pick him up. Um, they were just really, really high energy. And he had, it, it was kind of funny. So I got there and I went into um, the Fertitta center and the girls were practicing. I thought, okay, well, the boys would be right after him. And, about 30 minutes later, nobody showed up. So I called and they were like, oh, we're over here in the practice. Gym. I'll send a GA to come get you. Um, coach didn't want it in the big arena because it was day one. He wanted it intimate, tight. And it was a tight arena, like one row of chairs for us to sit at and watch. And our toes were touching the court. Um, so it got loud. The energy was just palpable. It was bouncing off the walls. And and I, I loved seeing that. And the coaches were so passionate and, and getting after it. It was really really exciting to see that at, at such a high level how energetic they are and passionate they are about about practice routine practice i think it's a great reminder too for us not to allow ourselves to become kind of uh stagnant or stale in in what we do and for our as head coaches and our assistant coaches to continue to bring it every day because you're right i think sometimes unless you like you went and saw it you know, you you don't you think that at that level they just have amazing players that just make amazing plays, but they there are those programs out there that they're special. And you know, I, I, with Coach Drew at down at Baylor, like they're that same. They got music. There's high fiving and the energy. It feels like a party. 
you know, going on while they're really working hard. And obviously with Buzz and a great reminder for us, especially as our season now, we're, we're you know, we're kind of getting into routine. Uh, we're about a, you know, a month in of practice and don't allow it, don't allow that energy to slip, you know, right. keep it going. That's right. Absolutely. And, and honestly, those guys don't necessarily shoot any better than us. They're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger, um, and they play really hard. Yeah. And that's a lesson. It's, I also heard Coach Beard, who I've come to know because one of my guys is there. Um, he recruited him when he was at Tech and took him to Texas. Um, but he had something the other day on Twitter that I loved and I shared with my team. He said, it's, it's a difference in what you're willing to do, what you're capable of doing and what you're willing to do. You know, you're, everyone on this team's capable for diving for loose balls, drawing charges, you know, boxing out, all of those little things. What are you willing to do? Mm. Um, and that's, I thought that was awesome. And I shared that with my team that every one of you is capable of doing X, Y, Z. Are you willing to do X, Y, Z to win a game? Man, what an awesome point right there. Mm. And and I, I, I saw that firsthand. I, I remember looking around at practice or even in games wondering how, how, how am I actually getting playing time right now? Because when I when I look at these guys that I'm around, they're bigger, faster, stronger, more skilled, can do more things. But are they willing to go as far with their body and to sacrifice as much? And yeah, for any players or parents that have they are, that are listening and their son has the aspirations to be at those high levels, he's right on the money. Like, what are you willing to give and sacrifice? Love that. That gets me fired up right there. They're all supremely talented at that level. Yeah. But what are they willing to do? Absolutely. The Jamoti Podcast is powered by Sideline Interactive. Sideline Interactive is the leading manufacturer for high-quality, innovative scoring tables and LED video display boards that help coaches and schools bring more excitement to fans, create huge fundraising opportunities, and make their jobs easier. Visit sidelineinteractive.com to check out their amazing products. Uh, what's your favorite shooting game? Well, I'm I'm going to give you two here because one's more of a type of a scrimmage um, that I love. And I, I got it from Mike Neighbors, uh, University of Arkansas women's coach. Has some great stuff on YouTube. Has a great newsletter. It's called Quick Strike. The kids love it. So, unfortunately, we don't have a shot clock yet. Hopefully it's coming. But they do. And what they play is they, they set that shot clock at 30 seconds. And as soon as you take possession, it starts counting down. And whenever you score, you get the amount of points that's left on the clock. So if you score for eight seconds, you get 22 points. Five seconds, 25 points. So, you know, know, it's it's in your best interest to move fast. That's why it's called quick strike. But if you just take a bad shot and don't make it, it, it's no benefit to you. So we go to 150, and it's up and down. I don't stop for anything. Unless somebody breaks a leg, we're not stopping. And um, so it's conditioning, too, but it's teaching them how to play really fast, but also maintain some level of efficiency with the shots, shot selection and, you know, getting good shots off. And the kids love quick strike. Um, That's probably, you know, people say, hey, how do you maintain, you know, your integrity offensively when you're playing so fast? And that's if I could name one thing to do, do that. Um, Love the drill. Coach, I've already gotten a lot out of our talk, you know, in just a few minutes here. That might be. For me personally, because we like to, we like to, we say we like to play fast and we like to shoot yeah, I and not, not just shoot quickly, but the best shot as fast as possible. But you're right. Um, fast and out of control. That's not special. Slow and in control. That's not special. What's special is fast and in control. And that's a game that 
the shots and the uh, the what type of selection that they choose is really valued the right way. So, mm -hmm. Coach, that thank you for sharing that one. Tomorrow, you'll, you'll the Lions look it up on YouTube. Will be playing. Watch, watch Arkansas do it and get you know kind of get a good feel for it and put it in. I think you guys will love it, yep. and it trains us as coaches to be hands off. Yeah, you have to be hands off, and it only takes like five. I mean, depending on how hot you get, it can be a five minute scrimmage. Um, but just let them go. I mean, I cheer for them. I, you know, we call out the score and we try to hype it up and make it fun. Um, but I don't, I don't do any coaching. We're not doing X's and O's. I'm letting them play. So made bucket, just to explain, made bucket, does the game pause while clock resets or no, they get I, it in, they go? We don't have a shot clock. Yep. My assistant counts in his head. Okay. So you just have like a clock kind of going down. Yeah. And you're just, you know, when they started that possession. And, That's right. Okay. And so my manager's on the scoreboard and my assistant will say 21, 23. And if he's off a second, I don't care. No big deal. And yeah. I will, if somebody has 128, they're going to get 21 or less, unless it's a really fast shot, because I want <laughs> the game to keep, let the other team have a chance to come back. I had a yeah. couple of kids call me out on it, but usually they don't even notice. Um, so that's that's my favorite competitive scrimmage. I can't wait to hear the shooting one after that. <laughs> I can't wait. We've got a lot, and, and, yeah. and at least half of them are from Peeler. But one I got from the University of Texas, and it's similar to some that we have, but they do it a little differently. They call it Ray Allen drill. And the reason I got it is one of my uh, – Jalen Tyson is a freshman there, set their record this summer doing it. So it's a three-point – most of our drills are three-point shooting drills, and they involve the five spots, the two corners, two slots or wings, and top of the key. So Ray Allen, you got to make two in a row from the first corner, two in a row from the, the wing, two in a row from the top, two in a row opposite wing. Then you get to the far corner, spot five, you make two in a row. Then you got to make two in a row for spot six in the far corner. So it's spots five and six. Then you come back around to 10 and you just start it. We start the clock at zero and go up. So whenever you complete, you're making two in a row at, at 10 different spots, whatever the time is, that's your score. So Jalen did it in June, his first month at UT and made 20 in a row and set their record at, I think it was one minute and two seconds. So we've, our record's 132 and that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, kid did it this year. Um, but that's, that's one of my favorites because it's, you know, you start at zero and count up and hey, it's either it's it's make or miss. You got to be consistent. You can't make one, miss one, make one, miss one. You'll never get around in any kind of in any kind of a, a solid time. You're right. Inter, inter rows are what's special. That's and right. That, and that's what we got to train. If we're talking about training shooters and we mm -hmm. want them to have mental toughness and, and ability, that goldfish mentality, like Ted Lasso says, to get past it. Uh, yeah, in a rose. But what I like about that game, I mean, there's a lot of games that are similar, but mm -hmm. the fact that you, the time, like I've played those games where we started two minutes and you have to finish it by then. And if you don't, you're done. This allows even lesser shooters hypothetically to go for five minutes, you know, 10 minutes I to get it, it done. I, I like that. Four. We cap you, it. You cap four. it? Okay. That's good. Usually everybody gets it done in four. Yeah. Um, but what it does is it allows everybody to, to set their own personal record. Yeah. Uh, the kid, coach, I got 258. Hey, that's your best, right? Yes. Awesome. You, you set celebrate your record that. Today. Yeah. Now you've got another record to shoot for next time. Um, you know, so we have team records, but I also try to keep track because, you know, I've got two or three guys that are the best shooters, but the other ones, I still want them getting better and improving. And so we try to keep track of theirs as well and give them an attaboy when they set their own PR.
How do you use social media to enhance your program? Man, that's that's come so far in the last few years. Um, it's huge. It's huge with our kids. You know, we try to celebrate our kids as much as we can. Um, we celebrate when they get offers to go to college, to college offers, certainly when they, you know, signing day or when they commit. Um, we have an SID at, at JP2. He's um, one of our assistant football coaches and he's full-time SID. He does a fantastic job with all of our athletic social media. Wow. And then we have our own basketball Twitter that's specifically for basketball. And, um, you know, we obviously we try to keep up with scores and uh, every game we'll post and where's our next game and all the general information. Um, but I try to put in different things, too, to celebrate the kids. When we set team shooting drill records or individual, I'm going to put it on our Twitter and, and, you know, tag that kid and make him feel special and let everybody see what he's doing. Um, so we definitely try to do that. But we have also been getting outside people, and I'm trying my best to use them. Videographers, guys that go to the games, that cover, put them on Twitter, Instagram, what have you. Uh, I always get them in free if they ever ask. I've had a couple of guys, hey, can I come do some of your practice time and put it on? Absolutely. Just go over a few points with them. I don't want to make sure that they're they're aware of when they come in. Yeah. Uh, any exposure we can get, kids love it. And I, you know, I want kids to get that exposure. And I want kids that want to come play a John Paul. And that's yeah. a big part of it. I've had that comment from some families that my son's school doesn't do any, anything for my son. And we love, we see what you do. We love that. You know, last year I had a, a, a young man that has his own company ask if he could, he did a uh, YouTube thing, day in the life of a baller. And he wanted to do it on Manny Obaseki. And he was like, kid's only like 19 years old so he called me can i can i come to a practice i said absolutely saturday morning we're having a shoot come on and he videoed the whole practice but he had also done some shots with manny at home and at school and different things and put together a 20-minute piece it was really nice but it featured our team it showed yeah. us some of our some of our highlights of our game against i know your friend jeff over prestonwood we were playing them that night and so he he was over there covering the game and got some of those clips in so i try to I'm never going to say no to somebody that wants to cover our team as long as they follow some basic parameters yeah. and, you know, do it the right way. Um, I do a little background work, do my homework, but um, a lot of coaches are uncomfortable with people coming to their practice. I, I embrace it. Come on, come, you know, any publicity is pretty much good publicity for us. And I think you're, I think you're right on the money with all of that. And just want to celebrate you for kind of that, that attitude that you've, chosen to take towards social media especially with your program uh i can't i can't remember the guy that i was listening to but it was probably 10 12 years ago it was a podcast and, and he just said if if coaches aren't using either directly or indirectly you know maybe through a team thing, if they're not using social media to celebrate and enhance their program then they're behind right. and uh, i'm probably a lot like you i don't like to ever think or hear that i'm behind in something right. and so right. it kind of i mean i you know i don't think i i don't think you can really go too much especially when your heart's in the right place right. and you're trying to celebrate the guys a uh, question for you is especially because of the caliber of players that you have do you ever have to or have to worry about the balance between that individual attention that you're giving and the team dynamic success. Any 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 friction with that ever with with posting well, things? You know, you definitely have to be cognizant of it. And um, you know, we're always going to celebrate the team. 
um, first and foremost. Um, but I, I talk to the guys constantly about, hey, we celebrate each other's accomplishments. And I, I'm not going to slow down on celebrating one kid just to not hurt someone else's feelings. Yep. Um, you know, we're, we should all be happy for each other. And the more we, you know, the more we achieve individually, the more we're going to achieve as a team. Um, but that, that is definitely something you got to be aware of. You know, one of our, I only have two team rules and one of them is the team always comes first and it's real simple. I'm not going to give you a list of 30 team rules. That's, that's overkill. Um, the team always comes first. So we, you know, we promote that, we push that. Um, and you know, I, I think it's gone pretty well for the most part. Um, you know, you, you always got to make sure you're trying to give everybody some, some shine and some love and, um, and I don't ever want to miss out on any opportunities to do that. So I'm yeah. pretty, pretty cognizant of it and try to stay on top of making sure I'm recognizing as many guys as I can. I think it's important when it comes from you that that's the message. And I can remember, uh, we, I have a very similar talk with guys about the way that our team is going to use social media. And even after losses, how we're going to, we're going to have a game breakdown and how it's going to be the top three scores. We're not happy with the loss, but we're not going to stop celebrating the good things that happen even within games because we all know as coaches just because your team loses doesn't mean it was all negative there can That's be right. good things out of it like i we love had a, what you guys do is that do you have a student do that who, who does your graphics after the game i've seen those the last week or so and they're, oh, they're standing thanks man uh that i i do it on photoshop um i but i have to give a shout out to two people the the midland christian uh assistant trent like he he's the one that uh sent me some of those the psds the little files our girls coach at here at, at school hannah st pierre she's phenomenal so i'm really good at taking something that someone else has created oh, wow. and i can change it and, and do it but uh i I've, i'm right along with you i think that stuff is important and and even if a player doesn't come up and say hey coach thank you for that i know that they're seeing it i know that their families are seeing it and i think what you said i mean if any coach is on the fence about ah, i don't know if we should do it or not you have parents from other schools saying hey our school doesn't do that we notice what you guys do yep. and and all it takes that's what i tell every anybody all it takes is my time that's all it takes is my time, and, and I'm happy downside. to do that. I, I don't see a downside. Yep. You're right, uh, other than a little bit of effort. Yeah. I had a kid uh, uh, get nominated for Player of the Week, and for our school, that was a, in our program, it was a really big thing. And But I had, I, I love that we were in a circle, and we're celebrating him, the fact that his name and Grapevine Faith is there. And I had another player step up and say, hey, guys, just remember this, too. Like, awesome for him. But that's all of us right there. And man, like I just, I kind of got chills, like listening to that and, and he was right on the money. So a, a great, there, it's, it's definitely possible to Thanks. celebrate individuals and alongside of it comes your program with it. That's right. And we're getting our name. We're private schools. And even outside of basketball, we need, we want students to come to our school. Right? So it, it, that marketing is really, really valuable <laughs> that we do for our schools and our programs. Coaches, the Jamoti podcast is powered by Biology. What's your BSA score? The Biology Skill Assessment is the only verified skills metric endorsed by the NIA and NJCAA to discover and develop the best talent for your team. This 10-minute, 100-shot test can be taken for free today on the Biology mobile app. Elevate your game. I've been able to talk with a lot of coaches about how they handle defeat 
uh, directly after a game, you know, in the locker room with their team. But I want to ask you, like, let's just defeat that the game is over. It's the next day. And you've had time to watch the film. You've had time to kind of, you know, decompress. How do you handle that next day practice after a tough, after a tough loss? Well, and this, I, I don't want this to come off the wrong way. I, since I've been at John Paul, I've had very little experience. I, I was going to say so that, but. <laughs> it's two years ago, our one loss was on a, a morning of the Mavericks tournament at Thanksgiving. And we played three hours later. And we won, and then we just moved on. Yeah. Um, last year, we had two losses. Unfortunately, one of them was the last game of the season for us. And the other one was the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, same as the year before, where we went over to Waxahachie, and we had beaten them the year before. And Coach Gober had his guys, very good team, well-coached, fired up, and they kicked our tails. They beat us to 50-50 balls. They out-rebounded us. They outran us, and they really put it on us. And – so, you know, the next day, the next day is Wednesday, and we got to practice. And then Friday, we had Lancaster at the Hoop Fest at American Airlines Center on Saturday night, the number one 5A team in the state. And I told the guys, I'm like, hey, you, you want to play at American Airlines Center in front of all those people? The way you played Tuesday, it's going to be a similar result. We broke down film. We figured out some things we really had gotten lax on. And um, we were really able to tie, even in two days' time, we were really able to tighten it up, improve it. Um, become much better defensively. Um, we could always score, but we were getting sloppy on defense and we were getting away with it, to be mm -hmm. honest, which is, which is on me. Um, it's not on the kids, it's on me. And so we corrected those things and we came out on that Saturday night and had a great game, ended up coming back in the last minute. We hit four threes in a row in the last two minutes and went from an eight-point deficit to a four-point win. And um, I, I firmly believe had we not lost on that Tuesday, had we played maybe a lesser program in one or just yeah. not play, I think we would have lost Saturday night. Probably bad. Probably the same thing. So we really, it gave us that opportunity. And every loss, you know, every loss is an opportunity. We, we win games. We kind of, okay, we need to do this better. This, but we move on. We don't yeah. really, we don't really break down every time we lost a, a loose ball or, or a rebound. Yeah. When you lose a game like that, you, you tend to go over every play and really take it to heart on, hey, we got to do better in all of these areas, and here's what we're going to do at practice to approach it. Um, and so the guys, to their credit, they really they really dug deep and, and turned it around in a matter of a couple of days' time against another high-level team and, and yeah. had success doing it. So, I mean, that's that's my big thing is you when you lose, hey, you really take a hard look in the mirror and look at your team and – um, you got practice time to fix it, you know, and, and we get what we tolerate. If you're going to tolerate losing 50, 50 balls and not blocking out all, then you're going to get it. Um, so that losses are always a great opportunity to refocus and re-energize efforts in areas. I don't call them weaknesses, but areas of improvement. Sure. We all I, have. Yeah. And I appreciate your transparency. You know, like you're right. You, you haven't had to endure the many losses. So the, but there's something else he said that I kind of want to uh, push into is, you know, you could, you, with your schedule, you know, you're playing top programs. So you are going to get pushed and you're going to get better from those games, win or lose. But you can't schedule uh, either either in tournaments, you're going to wind up playing a team every once in a while that, golly, this is, they're not going to make us better. Like we could be very bad and still win this game because of the talent that you have. 
And I think that the the awareness that you that you had about that, and it's a good reminder for all of us that we got to be careful in the big wins, the easy wins, the easy games that we're not developing bad habits mm-hmm. that are going to come back to bite us. So I, I I'm kind of with you. I've in some wins, I haven't really watched the film that that close, and thankfully I've got a great varsity assistant that the next day will come to me with a few things that yeah last night I was like coach we won by 30 I thought pretty solid like now here, here are some things that are going to really hurt us uh, so you know two, and you got to have those people around but I think that's a good reminder from you two years ago that happened quite a bit so what, my first year on the job they were good the year before but not not known even in the city much less the state and so we kind of had the same schedule as the year before but we got a lot better and so we're playing, you know, no disrespect in the schools, but schools that were just overmatched. And so that that happened. Um, last year, we were supposed to be in a lot of big events and that most of them got canceled. Yeah. You know, um, this year we're, we're going to be playing some really, really good teams. I, I don't anticipate winning 95 percent of our games when we're going to be we're going to Vegas for this Arcanian Classic. We're playing in two Hoop Fest events. Um you know, we're going down to Houston, and and my good friend Teddy Wheeler down there has scheduled us against the nationally ranked team from the Bronx. Um, so we're we're going to play some really good teams. So I we will probably have more opportunities to experience <laughs> what we've been talking about. Um, but I love it. I it, you know I, I don't want to jump ahead, but one thing I can you know I give advice to young coaches all the time, and you got to have the support of your administration. Don't worry about your record in the in the non conference or the non district. Yeah. Don't get better. You want to get you obviously you want to win games, but you can't stress out about the number of wins or what your district is what you're shooting for. Play in some tough tournaments. Play some good teams. Um, so that's one thing I would tell other coaches. Just as long as you have you know you don't have to have a winning record to keep your job, which yeah, it should be the case. Man, make challenge your team, challenge your program. Um, that's that's the way you're going to get better and the way you're going to get results in January and February, which is what we're all aiming for. So you you have so many players that, um, you know, play year-round. And I think that's what we want as coaches. We want guys that love the game. And, you know, multiple sport athletes are great, but it's really nice to have those guys that after our season, you know, they're going to go play against great competition again, hear a different voice with select ball. So you have a lot of those guys. What are some of your off-season expectations for your players that have so much going on? Well, one of the great things about the program at John Paul, my guys want to play year-round. And I don't force it on them. I do have two kids who just came over from football. I don't force it on them, um, but that's what they want. Many of them want to play at the next level, and they know that they that's what they want to do. So, you know, my expectations are, they should be playing on a, on a appropriate level, which for most of them is a high level AAU program. Um, I, I don't get involved in their selection of their AAU programs. Most of them have already had that set when they got to me. Um, you know, if they ask for recommendations or opinions, I'm happy to give it to them, but I don't force any. The AAU is, is their business. It's not mine. Um, but I do want them playing on a, in a program and at a level that is that pushes them and challenges them and where they can grow and become better players. And I love supporting them when they do that. Yeah. You know, I'll go, I, I don't interfere. I grab some popcorn and a diet Coke and I watch and I cheer and I try to meet the coach and tell him great job. Appreciate everything you're doing with these boys. And, um, you know, I want to, I want to work side by side with AAU coaches because we both AAU and high school are very important in the, in the boys development. 
um, outside of AAU, we, we do stuff. We have an athletic period this year round. So we're going to be doing, you know, in the off season, we'll do a little bit more in the weight room and, and the less, you know, offenses and defenses. Um, but we'll be doing basketball stuff year round at school. Uh, we do play, we played in the spring league last year. Um, we did a little bit of summer stuff this summer. Um, but again, I try to respect their time of the AAU. We did some stuff in June, played in that TABC event at the end of June. But then once July hit, I'm done. I'm hands off. You guys got to your big peach jams and your big events that you're going to and have at it. Have a great time. I'll see you in August. You still up in the gym during that time or you just kind of say, hey, we're shutting it down for for July and you guys take a break from me, everything. We don't do anything organized in July. I've had kids this summer, you know, coaches gym open. I want to get on the gun. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll be up there. I'll make sure you, you know, you can get in the ball rack, whatever. I'll help you out. But we don't do any organized practices. We do in June. Um, we would get together on Friday mornings and one other day where I could get a bunch of them just to stay sharp and, and certainly so we could get ready for that event. Um, but in July, I, I don't do anything organized. I kind of let them, if they want to just step away and take a break, that's fine. I do think there's a lot of value in that um, when you're going basically 12 months out of the year, yeah. weeks yeah. off. Um, but like I said, a lot of them are, that's when the heart of their AAU season is and all the big events are. So they're, they're getting plenty of basketball. Out. Yeah. Your spring league. So with, with, with select basketball really gearing up at that point, how, how do you manage that? Cause I, I had spring league going for a little while and, and then with having more guys playing, it's like I just felt that I didn't want them to feel friction between what we're doing with the school. You know, you're not letting me down if you have practice or I don't want you to miss practice and get in a bad place for for spring league. So how do you kind of juggle that? It, it, it is a challenge. So I probably wouldn't have done it. But Plano High School, which is about a mile from our high school, started doing a spring league and, and their JV coach was my assistant at Cistercian for 10 years and took over. And I left Craig Sklar. You probably know Craig. Yeah. Yeah. And um, he's back. He's at Plano now. So oh, that's he, awesome. He got that started and, 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 you know, talked him into letting us in. And, um, but you're right. We were, I had 10 guys signed up and we might have six for a game. You know, I got a chemistry test tomorrow, coach. I got, you know, this or that, whatever. And, and I'm, I try to be as, I am as nice as I can be about it. I'm like, I don't, I don't sweat spring league games. Yeah. I'm just giving y'all an opportunity to play. So they did them on Monday nights. So the AAU wasn't a real big, um, okay. you know, it wasn't a real big fight for the time because they don't usually practice on Mondays. Um, but there were other things. And it, there were one or two nights I was like, oh, is this worth it? But for the five or six that go, it's worth it. Yeah. So, yeah. Know, we'll and it may give an opportunity for some of those guys that aren't playing on such a high level or, or, or maybe younger that, you're excited for the future to to get to see them a little bit more. So good opportunity for them. Absolutely. And they get to, uh, you know, possibly play in roles that they haven't been playing in before and handle different responsibilities, which, which can always be good for them. Yeah. Coaches, the one thing that every team needs is confident shooters. The last eight years at Grapevine Faith, our teams have averaged 354 made threes each season. I love getting to share with coaches how our shooters train and more importantly, how they think. If you would like to enhance your shooting culture at your school, contact me directly at jamodipodcast at gmail.com. What's one thing that you would do differently if you could start over in coaching? Well, um, one thing, and I, and I tell my kids this, I had a coach 
several years back tell me, you know, say little after wins and less after losses. And I, that is so such a pearl of wisdom. You know, a lot of code you'll see young coach or not just young coaches, but any coach, they may sit there and talk for 30 minutes after a game. Kids don't want to hear it right then. You don't have a clear perspective right then. I distinctly remember, this is probably 15, 20 years ago at Cistercian, I got, we lost a close game. I got really upset with one of my players. I don't remember who, I'm sure he does. Um, and I lit into him after the game. And I went home and I watched the film. And after watching the film, I was like, that's, the film isn't what I remembered. You know, my mind was playing tricks on me. It wasn't as bad as I thought. He didn't yeah. do the yeah. things I thought, and I felt horrible. And I apologized to, to him in front of the team the next day. And I said, I'm sorry. It was a mistake. I mean, there's a reason we all have a 24-hour rule with our parents, right? We want everybody to cool down and get a perspective and not talk when you're um, passionate and upset or, you know, whatever, right after a game, which can happen. Um, same thing with us as coaches. Take a deep breath, watch the film, get a little perspective, come back the next day when you can probably be more constructive. Doesn't mean you're not going to, you know, correct kids or, or, you know, get on them about things they effort, you know, X's and O's, whatever. But I think, I really do think sometimes our mind tricks us and we yeah. think we see something. We just kind of like, you know, people in the lineup that pick out a, a, a criminal and then they find out later that person wasn't even there. Their mind tricks them. I, you hear about that stuff. And I, I do think it happens to coaches. And I was guilty of that. And I don't, half the time, I don't even take the kids up to the locker room. We gather right behind the bench after a game and I say, man, hey, Good effort. Good job. We're going to watch the film tomorrow. We're going to come practice. And, and we got so-and-so on Friday night. We're going to get ready for them. You guys enjoy your evening. Go say hello to your, your parents and loved ones, and I'll see you tomorrow. And, and that's about it. Um, and that's it has actually made me more relaxed after games to yeah. not dissect and not try to analyze. Yeah, or, or think that you have to perform in some way, that you have right. to come up with something to – to really help them. Majority of players after a, a loss or even a win, they know the things that they did wrong. And, and most of them are, are focusing on those things only, even, even after a good game. And I can't, I can't tell you the amount of times where I've left a game thinking we really stunk it up. And after watching the game that night, having optimism of, you know what, like we're not that far. Like we're, we're closer. And, and so the, I think your, your, your wisdom, it's so smart to not say something damaging after and then be able to circle back around and give them that news. That's probably going to ha happen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That is, that is definitely, and, and honestly, pregame talks too. Yeah. We're all, you know, we've all watched the movies and heard the coaches pregame talks and my pregame talks are really pretty short. Every once in a while, I'll try to give them something motivational. But for the most part, I'll go over any any new sets we put in, any sets the opponent has. You know, don't forget about this guy likes to get to this spot, whatever. Hey, let's go get him. One, two, three, go cards. And that's it. Um, you know, the day when I was younger, I would I would try every game. I had to prepare an elaborate, you know, pregame speech to get him fired up and ready to go. And the older I've gotten, hey, your preparation comes in practice. It doesn't come five minutes before you take the court. Yeah, and the problem is, too, is we play 35 games. You know, like, golly, you don't have that much magic. Yeah. You? Like, I mean, if you have 35 different stories that you think are all going to inspire yeah. them in that moment. Yeah, I, I, bullets. 
Charles Freet, uh, old Flower Mound coach, was a, a kind of a mentor of mine. He was at the Colony for a little while when I was there. He said three minutes before the game, three minutes at halftime, three minutes after the game. That's, like, that's all you get. And I, I think that's really good. Tyler Costin, I had him on here. He said mm-hmm. no pregame, uh, very short halftime, no postgame. Let him go. Hit. So I, I think you, you're right on the money. I think everybody is is moving that direction, and I think it's a good direction. Absolutely. The, the, the Hoosier pregame speeches don't happen very often. Let's <laughs> go. Cool. I mean, it, it's great TV. And, uh, yeah. and, but great theater. Yeah, we, we do at home. We do a little bit. We'll do a, a highlight film of I want them to, you know, kind of a Pete Carroll thing. I want them to be thinking about all of the good things that they've done. So a highlight film from the last game, win or lose, good stuff. And that, that but that that's to me is more valuable than anything I could say. So I think a lot of a lot of coaches know you already. I'm excited to know you even better with the speed round, the speed round. So these right. are short questions. First thing that pops in your head, right out. Okay. Ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Right. Um, favorite ice cream flavor? Uh, cookie two-step. That's my boys and my favorite. Cookie two-step. Coach, where do you get that? Where where I've never heard of it. The bluebell, bluebell. Uh, it's a cookie. That's a, it's a bluebell. Maybe, maybe I got it wrong. It's two something cookie. Two something. It might not be two step. I'm it not, sounds good. It's the half um, cookies and cream, uh, and half something else. I bet you're right. I, I bet you're right. Two step. But yeah, check it out. If you like bluebell, you'll love it. Love it. I already know this answer, but for high school shot clock or no shot clock? Absolutely. <laughs> we quick quick anecdote there. We played high school at Dickey's Arena last at the battle last January. And we're warming up for the game. The director comes over to me and says, Coach, this game's on TV. They, they're insisting we do a shot clock. I said, okay. Yes. That's great. And <laughs> the final score was 86-84. Neither team even came close to a shot clock violation. The only thing I wish is I could have tweaked a little defensive philosophy. Maybe you do a half-court trap. Maybe something just to try to shorten their possession. Yeah. But yeah. – it was fine. Both of us found out in pregame warm up, but love the shot clock. SPC has actually approved it. I was, yeah. I was SPC for 20 years and president for nine, and we talked about it. They just approved it a week ago for next year. So I'm awesome. Sure that's a big step because because we Bra- Brackle all, thinks it's going to happen. He's fighting really hard well. for it. Okay. Yeah. I'd love it. I'm behind it 100. Yeah. percent I think it'd be fun. We're the only only place in the world that that doesn't use it. So that's right. Texting or talking? Yeah, talking for relationships. Texting certainly has its place. Yeah, no, I, I like I, that. I learned years ago: stop emailing kids; they don't even check email. That's right. Text them; they'll reply. Yeah. Um, so I certainly text. There, but hey, anything important? Text is kind of for information. It's not yeah. really to get into a deep dive with your kids or or, or any type of relationship. Um, talking would be number one for sure. Favorite holiday. Uh, Christmas. Invisibility. I'll say it again. Chris, my birthday's close to Christmas, so just the whole holiday time. There you go. I like it. Invisibility or super strength? Um, I like super strength. Figured that. I'll go with super strength. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) if you could travel back in time, what period would you go to? Oh, gosh. Um, You know, for sports, I think I'd like to go to the 60s. And that's 
there were so my son is a college baseball player. I just graduated from JP two last year, and there were some some great baseball going on in the '60s with the pitching and and some of the some of the people I read about when I was a kid, uh, and then basketball with Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Russell, those great Celtics teams, and then it kind of bled into the Lakers teams, and it was just a when you just a totally different game. Yeah, I would I would like to just go and watch. You know, in football, the the toughness and the, they barely wore a face mask. Yeah. And, you know, guys <laughs> playing both ways still, and it yeah. was just a, it was so different now. I I don't know if we're so different from twenty years ago, but from the '60s, it's it's like they're wholly totally different game. Yeah, I, I love that answer. Cool. And I, you know, baseball. If you look at anything from like the '30s or '40s, the fans, the gentlemen wore hats and suits. And that, that's always struck me is, could you imagine now going to a Ranger game and everybody's in a suit and <laughs> dresses, they got the hanging on the rails. And it's, yeah. I don't know when that changed. I'd like to know when that changed. But um, all the old shots of baseball, they they were you know, yeah. jackets and ties and, and hats to the games, which I that, that's fascinating to me. I love that. I, it made me think of, uh, uh, I'd love to go watch a Pistol Peak college game. Oh gosh! I yeah. think that would have been yeah. So uh, that's a great answer. He did with the ball. That's the, yeah. Scoring forty four um, points a game without a three point grind <laughs> would have been would have been sixty. Yeah. 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 How many cups of coffee do you drink per day? Zero. Never have been a coffee guy. No, my my mom asked me one time, and I think I was in my twenties. When are you going to grow up and drink coffee? And I said, I don't think I, I'll get a Starbucks with whipped cream and caramel, and it's more of a dessert. It's sugar. Starbucks. Yeah, that's yeah. Or just straight coffee. I'm, you know, I'll I'd prefer a cold diet coke than a coffee. Nice. All right, last one, probably the most important one: Godfather or Star Wars? Godfather. I I love mob movies. Uh, favorite? Good, what's your favorite? Probably Goodfellas. Yeah. Um, I just I I love the whole the whole you know motif of Goodfellas and taking it from when he was a kid all the way to when he went into witness protection and the prison scene where they're cooking all that great food and makes me hungry every time I watch it. But I, I love Goodfellas. I thought it was a fantastic movie. Coach, uh, I've, I've been, you know, I, you and I haven't had a lot of personal interactions over the years and, but I've been able to obviously watch your teams and, and, and you know, what's cool is like, I've, I've known about, and sometimes when you hear or you just see the talent that's on teams and if you don't know the coach very well you just always wonder is it is it just the talent I mean I you, you know you can't help but go there all the success they're having but it's really cool to to get to talk with you tonight and learn from you and just man I think I just think you're the real deal and I just really enjoyed this time I got a lot out of it and I appreciate you it you know having I've been on both ends of the spectrum, not very talented kids and having to squeeze every possession out of them and then having really talented kids that there, there's a skill to letting them do their thing. There's a skill to letting them play. It's not just rolling the balls out. Yeah. Um, and you got to have relationships. You know, you got to have relationships. You know, I know we're about out of time. I won't go too deep into that. But you you have to build relationships with the kids so they feel it um, and, and they're feeling good. You know, Jalen Tyson was going to leave John Paul before I got there. And I'm not saying that I was anything special to him, but we built a relationship and uh, he grew so much from junior year on nobody's radar, no rankings, no colleges. And then boom, by Christmas, he gets offered by Texas Tech, TCU's later that night. 
you know, uh, Kruger from OU comes to watch him. He drops in 44 in front of Kruger. They offer, and then it was off to the races. Um, but Jalen grew up and mature, and he and I had a great bond. We still do to this day. And um, I love watching his development. Um, but it's not just that you've got to reach your kids. And relationship is every bit as important as X's and O's. Okay. And yeah, I think you're right on the money. And we're, no, we're not out of time or anything. We can keep okay. going. What? Give me some some keys. To, I, I feel like I have good relationship with my players, but there's always a part of me that's wondering, like, is there something I can be doing more or better to to reach them? And, and so what are some things that you feel like helps you to create such strong bonds? Well, one thing, um, and I learned this from, from my very first boss in this business at Cistercian Tom, the late Tom Hiller, is you talk talk to kids about other things than – what you're doing on the court or on the field. Ask them what they're interested Find out what their interests are, what TV shows they like, what are their hobbies, you know, and, and, and try to build something outside of basketball that way. Um, also, stay in touch with them outside of the season. You know, a lot of times coaches, hey, the season's over. I'll, I'll see you in a couple months or whenever, you know, summer league starts or what. Stay in touch with them then. Shoot them a text sometime. Hey, are you watching the Maverick game? Did you see that play Luca just made? You know, stuff like that I try to do extra with with my nice. guys. And, and, you know, not even just the super players, but the eighth man. Hey, Matt, you had a great practice. I'll shoot him a text at night. You were really getting after it. I noticed that. Keep up the good work. You know, I people say you, you'll remember. I still remember distinctly something that a junior high coach said to me, and that was freaking 40 years ago or whatever, right? If they said it either good or bad, yeah. you still remember that. And, and I've tried to take that to heart because I know I have said negative things before and I'm sure kids remember it. And I'm, I'm trying to do way more positive that they'll remember. Um, it's going to stick with them a lot longer than it sticks with us as coaches. So just a little comment you make after a game or after a practice or some other time, they're going to remember and it can make their day. It can make their week. Um, and sometimes I think we forget the power that, that we have as their coaches and mentors um, that they really, really buy into what we're saying. And it's it's so important to them. Um, and it's just a little thing for us to do to, to really foster that. It's huge. And I appreciate you sharing that. That's sure. And again, like I said, I thank you for your time tonight. And uh, it was awesome. Absolutely. I, I love visiting with you. I love talking shop. And, and we'll, we'll do it again sometime down the road. And I'll be following the Lions this year. Yes, sir. Thank you for checking out today's episode. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, share it with your fellow coaches, and find us on social media for what's coming up next on the Jamoti Podcast. It's just a matter of doing it.